Hey, race fans, Hall of Famer Daryl Walter here. You know it's time to drop the green flag on another edition of Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. So, hey, pull those belts tight one more time. Here's my buddy Hermie Sadler and Senator Bill Stanley. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's see what they have to say, boys and girls. I'm Leaning Right. I'm Senator Bill Stanley. And I'm Turning Left. Former NASCAR driver, Hermie Sattler. And this is the inaugural podcast high atop the Stanley Law Group building in the Stanley Law Group conference room right here in the beautiful capital of downtown Richmond of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, I'm excited as we're starting this off. Uh, Hermie, this is our podcast. This is our inaugural starter podcast. And for any successful podcast, you have to have sponsors. And our presenting sponsor is Pacematic. Leaning right and turning left is powered by Pacematic, who reminds you to follow the show on social media at Sadler Senator and to make sure you subscribe so you won't miss an episode as we discuss hot topics in the Virginia General Assembly and, of course, racing. First of all, Bill, we've talked about this for a long time. We have. We've planned. We, we probably will not follow the plan, but we have one. <laughs> but you know, it's, here's kind of what we want to accomplish on Episode one, we want to kind of set the table. Who is Senator Bill Stanley? Who is Hermie Sadler? Introduce our viewers, listeners, everybody to who we are. Talk about how we came together, why we came together for this podcast. Uh, kind of set the table. You and I have some things going on behind the scenes, not only a lawsuit against the Commonwealth of Virginia, but also some other exciting, more fun things that we want to uh, announce today on the first show. And then the next segment, we're going to bring in my longtime friend, Jeff Jarrett. Our boss. Uh, our boss, Double J, with Podcast Heat, to bring him into the show to talk about Podcast Heat, what they're doing, what he's doing with his podcast, how they're going to help us launch and develop our podcast. Um, we'll do that uh, in episodes down the road. But first of all, excited and honored, Senator Stanley, to be here with you as we launch Leaning Right and Turning Left. So, First on the agenda is tell us about Senator Bill Stanley. Well, I think even before we go that, let's talk about what we're going to talk about for the next two years. I mean, we've got uh, 52 episodes a year, and uh, quite frankly, what you're going to see is this is usually how Hermie and I talk to each other for an hour, hour and a half on the phone almost every night, <laughs> and we make each other laugh, and we talk about important topics. But on the uh, leaning right, we're going to talk about politics, local state, those affairs in the Commonwealth of Virginia, but also national politics as well. As a lawyer, I've been a lawyer for 27 years. We're going to talk about the law. And when we're turning left, Hermie, what are we going to talk about then? Well, on episode two, next week, we'll have my brother, Elliot Sadler, a 17-time winner in NASCAR's top three divisions, a four-time most popular driver. Uh, he'll be on next week. We're going to talk about the life and the career and what's going on after the career for uh, Elliot Sadler. Then down the road, I've got a Rolodex full of NASCAR drivers. I've got country music, superstars, uh, actors, comedians, you name it. We're going to talk about everything related to politics, government, racing, and we'll throw in some entertainment as well. We, You and I both are going to uh, open up the phone books and uh, and have some of our friends in all walks of life on leaning right and turning left, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, your your Rolodex looks like a big carousel. My, mine is a pamphlet. 
Um, so I know like three people, but I know you know hundreds, and so I'm going to really depend Look, on you. If one it thing on. you've survived in your life, you got by with small things, <laughs> and Rolodex being one of them, that's okay. You found a way. <laughs> Already, right out of the shoot, this is exactly <laughs> what we do when we talk to each other on the on the daily basis that we do on but the. But we want we want to. I mean, in the beginning, before we get into why we're here and what brought us to this point, tell us. Tell us, tell us about your life and career. Well, Hermie, I appreciate the time and, and certainly I appreciate this and I'm really excited about this. I'm a little nervous. Uh, never done this before. Uh, I know you've been an entertainer and, and certainly an analyst and Fox Sports broadcaster. Uh, you know, as a as state center, we do a lot of uh, interviews, TV interviews, radio interviews, uh, but nothing to the extent of what this is. So when when we're talking to each other, we want them to understand who we are, as you just said, and where we come from and where we are as people today. And, and certainly not only bring humor and insight to whatever today's topics are, but also really kind of give a person who might download this podcast, who we want to download this podcast, a reason to listen. And so my life is... Uh, is is as follows. I'm the son of a naval aviator. My dad was uh, abject in abject poverty. Uh, there was no way he was going to go to college. There was no way uh, he anybody ever thought he would go and get a higher education, but he did. And even at a young age, as a teenager, he determined for himself that education was the way to break the cycle of poverty. And so he became the class valedictorian uh, of Hannibal High School in Hannibal, Missouri, uh, so he could get a scholarship to the Navy, an NROTC scholarship. As he said later in life, uh, and I'll talk to a little bit about that as well, but um, he knew, even though he didn't know me at the time, that that what he was doing then was going to be for his son someday in the future. And he went off and went to the University of Colorado, met my mother. Uh, she was from a rich family. He was from a poor family. It was a perfect combination. And two of them got married, and and he was uh, fought in the Vietnam War, was an aviator, uh, had a, a storied and de- highly decorated career as a Navy man. But the one thing that I always remember about my father was, is when he came through the door and he'd have those dress whites on and he took them off, uh, he was just dad. He didn't bring home the military career with him. He didn't bring home the military offer, the officer stuff. He was like Superman almost uh, to me and uh, really was a huge influence in my life, Uh, really pushed education. He was going to make sure that my sister and I uh, were college educated and that we wouldn't have to go get scholarships. And so we moved around a lot. Um, and back in the seventies, uh, everybody's hair was long. If you, if you've seen a picture of me, I've got uh, blonde hair back then, uh, everybody grew their hair out. And so when my dad would go on deployment, I would try to grow my hair long, but it only would come out in the form of a big Afro, Hermie. Mm-hmm. So I looked like I'm a big Afro. That as yeah. we speak. And so my problem was, is that every time my dad come home, he'd put me in the old high chair and he'd shave my head and give me a high and tight. Uh, I remember one story, you know, when you moved around, you would become, you were the nerd, the new kid in, in school and subject to being bullied. By the time you'd been there 18 months, you, you had somewhat had become semi-cool. And then you'd move again because they were always getting deployed to different areas. And so it would start over and you would get bullied. And my father said to me, he said, when we, when we move to the next place, you just find who, uh, who the bully is. And you walk right up to him and you punch him in the face. And I was like, really? He said, yeah, just do it because he'll never mess with you again. I did it. And back then, they didn't suspend you. you. You were in the principal's office. And, of course, the bully looked at me after I hit him and said, what would you do that for? Because my dad told me. Um, but I never got messed with. And it was an attitude that I carried through the rest of my life, that I wasn't ever going to let anybody determine my destiny, even in a new situation, that I was going to be in control of that. And so that was one of those early lessons he taught me. I remember when, when I had big blonde hair, 
Um, my mom went out first day of school. Uh, we had moved to Kempsville, Virginia, Virginia Beach. And she would got me these beautiful pair of white pumas and these this beautiful blue corduroy Levi jeans and a beautiful blue, powder blue, uh, Izod shirt. And I had my big fro. And I walked up onto a bus. And uh, and the first thing that Miss Nancy said was, ooh, look at you. You look like a little Q-tip. And she was right. I looked like a Q-tip. But the whole bus went quiet. And so I got this stupid nickname, Q-tip, for the rest of my life. It followed me around even when we moved. Q-tip. Yes. You didn't know that, did you? I just found that out. This is this First is like confessional. Piece of breaking news on the podcast. <laughs> this is like a confessional. Q-tip. So you know, moved around a lot. Uh, got to Northern Virginia. Uh, my dad contracted cancer. Uh, fought it valiantly for fourteen years. Um, made sure I, I was going in. I gotten an NRTC scholarship. My sat. My father said, "Son, I went to the Navy so you wouldn't have to." He was such a great instrumental part of my life and a guiding force even to this day. And so um, I went to Hamden City College. Uh, worked hard, Farmville, Virginia, Farm Vegas, and um, and then uh, it was told to us that his uh, his cancer was terminal, and so I dropped out of college, went home to take care of him, and he said, "You're going to go right back there next semester, and you're going to graduate, and I promise you, if you'll graduate on time, I will beat this." And of course, you always believe your family, your parents are invincible at the time, and in fact, I I succeeded in fulfilling that for him. He got to see it. Uh, he died a month later and it forever shaped my life. And I was getting into the restaurant business. I was going to do all this crazy stuff. And I decided that I was going to fulfill the dream he had had for me, which was to become a lawyer. So I went back home where my mom was. My mom was grieving horribly. And, and her dream back in the fifties and sixties was to become a lawyer too. But women weren't either admitted or didn't go to law school. So I had gotten admitted into law school. And I said to my mother, I said, look, we're going to grieve, but we're going to do what dad wants. And so I make this promise to you, if you will go, she had left college early, one year early, go get your undergraduate and then go on to law school, wherever I am as a lawyer, I'll quit my, my job there and we'll start a law firm together. So in 1998, I was working at the, one of the largest law firms in Arlington and, and uh, was getting ready to be offered partnership. And and uh, she was graduating from law school and they talked to me and your mom was yeah, she went to law school. She was a curb buster, had her hand in the air all the time. I bet she sat in the right front left corner, you know. I bet most of the students hated her, but they all loved her and they came over and studied with her. And um, so she graduated at age 58, passed the bar, and we started a law school. Uh, I mean, a, a law firm together that was uh, Stanley and Stanley. It's now the Stanley Law Group. She retired last year at age 81. I was so proud of her to watch her in her legal career. It was an amazing thing for me. And it meant so much because one of the promises my dad made me make to him was that I would take care of his wife. And so, um, so we, we had a law firm. We, we started out in Fairfax city. My mom wanted to go back to where, uh, we were all from in Franklin and my dad's uh, family was from and wanted to be down there where they had some of the best last years of their life at Smith mountain Lake. Mm -hmm. And, uh, beautiful so, area. Oh, it's great. I raced up at Martinsville, just about every year for, you know, 20 years and yeah. spent a lot of time up that way. Beautiful place. Great fishing at the lake, too. Yeah. You can go get a big striper, 35-pounder, and uh, and have the time of your life. And we, so we opened a law firm there. Pretty soon she had, she had managed to get every one of my employees to move down there that was in Fairfax. And so I had no choice but to move down there. And she was exactly right because Northern Virginia was growing. It was becoming something I didn't want to be a part of. And so we... Uh, we had the Stanley and Stanley law firm down there. Ma, I wanted to name the firm Stanley and Mom, but my mom said no because that would mean that her name was on the back of the door. Now, I thought it would be a great law firm name. She didn't want to be second fiddle. That's who my mom is. 
And uh, that's who she was as a lawyer. So we started the firm down there. Uh, had a great experience uh, trying cases. Have always tried uh, high-profile cases. One of the first cases I tried was as a young attorney for uh, Gil Davis and Joe Camerata. We're going to have Joe Camerata on the show on this podcast later in the episodes. But we uh, sued on behalf of Paula Corbin Jones, William Jefferson Clinton, and secured a nine-to-nothing Supreme Court victory. So that was the beginning of my law career before even mom and I started. And so once you sue the president, everybody else is a little bit smaller. I was going to say, you fizzled out all the way down to... <clears throat> Hermie Sadler. To Hermie Sadler. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk about that too. Yeah. Uh, so I've always done high profile cases. Um, you know, I've always, my mom used to say I'd be a lot richer if, uh, you know, I'd charge more. But, you know, it was causes uh, that really moved me because I really felt like I wanted to do the right thing with the gift that God gave me and the talent that I had. But we've ended up uh, being very successful, God willing, and we will be continuing that in the future. But uh, and when I was down there, I helped a, a Republican win a sheriff's race that had never, never had a Republican in a, an elected local office in Franklin County when I moved down there. I was urged to become uh, the chairman of uh, Franklin County Republican Committee. From there, I became the chairman of the 5th District Congressional Committee. And then when the uh, person who was the state senator in the 20th Senate District ran for Congress in the 5th District and won. Uh, I was urged by uh, Virgil Good and Ken Cuccinelli, who was the Attorney General of Virginia at the time, and Virgil was a congressman, um, to run for the state Senate seat. And so in 2010, I won a special election. Uh, actually, was elected the night that General Assembly starts in January. So I had to drive up there at night. I carted my mom up there because I wanted her to be there and hold the family Bible. We get in there like 4 o'clock in the morning. Um we're in front. We're in that great majestic uh, Senate chamber, which you were you were in, and we had so many great uh, things that went on uh, today. And uh, I put my hand on the Bible, took the oath, and and they always taught us to be humble. And for some stupid reason, uh, and I hope they're going to bleep this, but I'm going to tell it like it is because it always guides my life. I took the oath. I looked down. You got the governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general. You got all these big wigs. We're in this big chamber, and I and I mistakenly said to my mother. Um, aren't you proud of, of me? Uh, your son's a state senator now. And without missing a beat, she looked up at me holding that Bible and said, don't f*** it up. And that's how I live my life in politics. That's that pretty I good advice. I don't want to F anything up. I don't want to mess anything up. Uh, I always understand that this is an obligation, a job. So I've been luckily uh, defeated. Uh, I've been a state senator ever since. I defeated a long-term incumbent when they said I couldn't win. We got the majority back and I've been the majority whip and now the minority whip for the Senate Republican Caucus ever since. Uh, I've written a hundred bills that have become law in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and uh, which is really exciting because you can really, really make a difference, Hermie. Hermie, you can really, <laughs> really make a difference as a state senator, Hermie. Uh, and it and it, and we'll get to Positive that later. Positive and negative, mm -hmm. yeah. but you can, and and that's really what I think it's all about. Some people come down here and like to be called senator or delegate. Uh, I always like to say my mother did not name me senator. She has a couple of names for me that I'm not going to go over, but, you know, that's not how I treat it. And it's, so it's a real privilege and honor to serve here. And and you meet great people and you meet great, great citizens and they have great ideas and, and you can really change somebody's life. And, and you're going to hear a lot from me, what my dad left me with, which were his sayings. One of his was when I came whining to him and I said, Dad, I, I, I want to be great at something, but I can't change the world. And he said, son, if you're great at something and what you do changes the life of somebody else, then you've changed their world. And if you change their world, you've changed the world. 
And I've always taken that to heart, both as a lawyer and a senator. And uh, and to this very day, that's uh, that's what that's how I carry myself, and, and the privilege and honor of being a state senator. So now you know everything about me. I just did what ten minutes. Yeah. And now I want to hear I about learned, you. I learned a lot myself, and um, I know we laugh, joke, and we will talk a lot about uh, different things, livelihood, um, and joke with each other a lot. But that is a very, um, I mean, some great. Stories. I admire you even more uh, listening to uh, what you're. I mean, seriously. I know. I know you. We joke a lot, but that's that's a. We do joke a lot. We do joke a lot, and we will joke a lot. Yes. But that's a, that's a great stuff, and um, honored to be here with you on this show. As far as me, you know, I grew up. My um, family was in the um, petroleum business. My grandfather also in the automobile business. So that uh, fueled early on mine and my brother's love for. Racing. My dad never drove a car, but owned race cars that raced uh, in on dirt tracks and asphalt tracks all across the Mid Atlantic region uh, of Virginia and North Carolina. Uh, I started racing go karts when I was about nine years old, and then went from there to late model stock car racing. To uh, got my first break in 1993, uh, driving for Don Beverly on the Bush Grand National Series. Um, I, my first major big time sponsor was Virginia Tourism Corporation. I remember that. I got to. I've got a little diecast model of that car. Yeah, that I thing is it. worth nothing, by the way. Um, <laughs> you signed it to my wife, and I handed it. To yeah, you. it's worth less than nothing. What if that I signed mean? it? <laughs> um, but what what an honor it was for me at that age to be, uh, you know, not only competing in the Bush Grand National Series, but be competing and have my sponsor be the state that I live in, the Commonwealth of Virginia. Right. So we promoted Virginia tourism, the mountains, the beaches, and everything in between as I traveled the Bush Grand National Series uh, circuit. Went on from there to uh, drive for, I I had my own team for several years with sponsorship from DeWalt Tools, Uh, was eventually a teammate to my brother, Elliot Sadler, in the Bush Grand National Series. As we mentioned, we'll have Elliot on episode two uh, next week. Look forward to that. Uh, Then off and on, Part-time in the Cup Series for years, uh, never full-time in the Cup Series, but but ran uh, limited events uh, just about every year, and then kind of parlayed that into a 16-year career with the um, with Fox Sports. Um, what a, what a time I had with, with the people at Fox Sports. And you the became people. so famous in that time too. Yeah, I mean, I everybody, mean, if you well, loved racing, about you knew that, you. but I, so oh, yeah. many people that I grew up idolizing, like Daryl Waltrip, who by the way. I uh, want to thank DW for doing a uh, show open for us to yeah. open our podcast every week. That's what awesome. a great friend. I grew up, you know, kind of admiring DW and then got to work with him for 16 years and now I remain close friends with him. So thanks to him. But people like him and Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon and all the people that I got a chance to work with at Fox Sports, uh, just unbelievable. Uh, but now I'm proud to say that I'm back full time. Uh, we're operating and working the family business, which is convenience stores travel centers, uh, truck stops all across the Commonwealth of Virginia and some down into North Carolina. Um, and really my passion and my work in our family business, small business is kind of what brought us together professionally. Um, and then as a part of that, really closer personally as well too, because I came to you uh, with some concerns and, and issues that I was dealing with uh, legally uh, with the Commonwealth of Virginia as it relates to skill games and uh, their place in small business 
business across the Commonwealth. Uh, your your body, not you personally, but your body of government, uh, decided to to ban skill games in small businesses, and that was not only hurtful to our business financially, but I thought the fact that the General Assembly was picking winners and losers on who could operate what kind of business, and somebody could and somebody couldn't. I didn't think that's the way the free market system was supposed to operate in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So, you know, my dad built our business on blood, sweat, and tears and the free market system and capitalism. My dad, you know, it's easy for people to look at now and say, oh, you guys have great business. My dad's father, my grandfather, got killed in 1973. My dad was 30 years old. He took over the family business. It was one transport truck and one service station. And my dad built that business from then to what it is today, which is over 200 employees and multiple truck stops, convenience stores, and restaurants across the Commonwealth and into North Carolina. And a whole lot of uh, billboards with your face on it. A whole lot of billboards with my cute face on Mm -hmm. it. But it brings me back to kind of what brought us together is I I now have an obligation to protect and grow to the best of my ability what my dad built. So I didn't take kindly to the Commonwealth of Virginia telling me, Hermie, you're a nice guy and we like your family, but you can't operate skill games anymore because casinos and other out-of-state interests can. And so now, that now brought let, me now, and you together. Now, a little bit, let's let's describe just a little bit. Skill games and games of chance. What we had in, in Virginia was all of a sudden the gaming industry was opening itself up. We were getting casinos that were putting pressure on the General Assembly at the time. We were putting, uh, there were slot machines charitable uh, gaming, uh, horse racing, those kind of things. But they were opening up to out-of-state interests, that is, uh, special interests in those companies. But suddenly, when it came to skill games, there was something different. And what was that, Herbie? I mean, a skill game itself is that it's not a game of chance, not like a one-armed bandit where you just kind of pull the lever and whatever comes up, comes up, and you win if it comes up right. A skill game is is like a skee-ball game, is it not? That's right. Well, you have games of skill like a skee-ball game, you have mechanical type games. It could be a coin pusher game or the claw game that you see at Dave and Buster's, Teddy, Kings Dominion, Teddy the State Fair, all those things where you try to guide the the crane over and pick up a, an animal. And if you do, you, you get that prize. But you also have the video skill games, which is was kind of the um, what the General Assembly was going after, which was part of what why our lawsuit to this point, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm has been successful is the fact that, you know, skill games, in my opinion, are defined as games that can, you can win prizes based on the skill of the player. Where you have a hundred percent chance of winning every time you play, as long as you have the skill to do so. That's right. So whether it's shooting a ski ball or putting a quarter in a coin pusher or whether it's shooting a basketball at Kings Dominion or whether it's playing a video skill game at Saddle Travel Plaza in Emporia, there, where there's a video interaction with the player, and the better that you play, the longer you play, and the more you have a chance to win. Well, that we, sounds like Miss Pac-Man or Galaga. Is that is that what same thing? Same thing. Because it takes your skill to get same it. concept. Okay, and 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 so that's what what brought us together in this lawsuit is we've operated games of skill in some fashion at our truck stop in Emporia since the mid 1980s, and it's always been fine until. The casinos and their lobbyists and their special interest and their money and power 
started to come in and say, hey, we want to come to Virginia, but by the way, when we come into Virginia, we want these skill games gone out of all these stores like the Saddlers, and we just didn't think that was right. Well, and not only that, though, like you said, you've had skill games in your uh, in your stores since the 80s. Skill games have been legal since colonial times here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, games of chance have never been legal in the Commonwealth of Virginia until just recently when some legislation passed, which allowed casinos to come in, historic horse racing, uh, video game terminals that are basically slot machines, those kind of things, the Rosies that we have now, correct? And so, so talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, um, you never had any problems with anything with the games that you had that are now, that were at a time banned. Is that right? Never had a problem, never had a concern, nobody ever... Nobody even really ever came and talked to us about them. So why'd uh, they ban them? Well, that's why we're what we're trying to. They, in my opinion, they were banning them just because, because people that wanted the casinos that were coming to Virginia wanted them to have a monopoly on gaming. Uh, in my opinion. Well, and and two, not to let the little guy, the little Virginia small business owner who may have a convenience store or a truck stop or a restaurant participate in the gaming industry, and that's how I ended up getting in. Involved in this, right? As well. And so, you know, they tried to do this. I've been over here about three years because I could see the train coming, as we all could, as they started to rally the troops. You know, and so last year our games were regulated uh, and policed by the Department of ABC, and we had no issues with regulation, no issues with enforcement, and we raised about one hundred forty million dollars worth of revenue in tax money for the Commonwealth of Virginia during the pandemic. During the pandemic, and it really kept up. You know, I'm the <clears throat> the lawsuit. The plaintiff is Seller Brothers Oil Company, but I'm really doing it not only for that, but for all the mom and pop operators across the Commonwealth of Virginia, whether it be a mom and pop owner of a convenience store, a restaurant in a rural area of Southside or Southwest Virginia. The over 200 small business owners that I've heard from during the course of our lawsuit over the last couple of months thanking us as a team for standing up for the rights of small businesses. So, you know, we understand <clears throat> casinos are trying to make their way in. That's that's fine. We're not anti-casino. We're anti-government overreach. That's what we're trying to fight. Well, and, and then so you said, you know, we made all that money during the pandemic in the Commonwealth of Virginia. But what they ended up eventually doing, did they not, is then pass a law called Senate Bill 971, which in effect banned skill games. They banned skill games, but only skill games that, if you didn't know any better, looked like slot machines. A video skill game. Video skill game. And only those games that are in truck stops, convenience stores, and restaurants. In fact, wasn't there a, a caveat to the exception to skill games? Now, the ban simply written was that all skill games were now banned and illegal. Uh, then they carved out an exception. Did they not talk about that? A family entertainment exception. And what is that? Family entertainment. I still, to this day, don't know exactly what that is, and it's part of the, the conversation ongoing in our lawsuit. What exactly is a family entertainment, entertainment center? My, like on my truck stop, we have kids. We have families to come visit. We have truck drivers. We have tourists, everything in between. So I don't really know to this day as we're doing this what exactly they, they mean by a family. I think what they were trying to do was carve out exceptions for Dave and Buster's, King's Dominion, Chuck, uh, e. Cheese. Chuck e. Cheese, all mm -hmm. these kind of things. But how can they do that? Then you want to try to tell me 
well, if you advertise your business to families with children, maybe you can get around this law somehow. And I don't that's know. exactly what was in the bill, was it not? It said yeah. that you would have an exception where you could put your skill games in your truck stops if you advertise to families with children. To families with children. Right. And see, and part of that lawsuit and, and, and what we're talking about then is when this law went into effect July 1st, we had somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,000 skill games and small businesses throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. On July 1, they turned them off. They all went dark. And, and especially the ones that had been regulated by the ABC, they were stickered. They were, you know, if you had an ABC license, you, you, you monitored that because you don't want to lose your ABC license, your ability and an ABC license, the ability to sell beer and wine right. off premises. So you made sure no kids came near them. You made sure they were operated properly. They're in well-lit areas. But the government just decided that we're going to pick winners and losers, as you said, and say casinos are fine, but you small business owner in Virginia can't in- engage in the gaming industry. And that was the real issue. I mean, the subject, and I tell people this every day, the subject is skill games, but the issue is government overreach into small business saying, Mr. Sadler, you can't operate this because we've now said it's okay for these people to operate and you can't be in competition with them. So that's really the and caught part of what's going to be kind of um, uh, uh, a line of, of uh, what we're doing here with this podcast is, look, it could be skill games today, but if we don't stand up and fight, what's it going to be next? What are they next week or next month or next year going to say, these people have lobbied us because so now they can do this, but these other people cannot. That's really kind of what we're preventing from happening. We're standing up for not a look. Skill games, we need them to be turned back on as they are now under an injunction here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. But we're really fighting for something way bigger than that, and that is the fundamental right of small businesses to operate their businesses as they see fit. And so let's just kind of bring this forward as we can. So Hermie comes to my office. Uh, Hermie doesn't remember when we originally met, but we, we talked about this. He told me exactly what was going on. The first time I talked to him, as Hermie knows, and maybe somebody who knows uh, my politics, I was against the legalization of gambling in the Commonwealth of Virginia. I, I did, you know, they were trying to put it into areas like Southside Virginia that I represent, and they were saying this will be the 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 pill that solves all your problems. And I did not believe that it was a panacea. I thought it would stop the growth and the recovery in Southside Virginia, where I represent. We were the the, the industrial leader during the Industrial Revolution in Virginia. We watched all our jobs go away with North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, and CAFTA. Then they told us we couldn't grow tobacco, and they took a robust economy because what the government said. The government told us, and they took it away, and they sent it overseas. And so then they come in and say, then they come in and say, well, you know, skill games or uh, casinos will be your panacea. So I wasn't for it, and I've never been for gambling. But when you came to my office, my Senate office, what I've what I, after listening to him, it was a compelling story. Because, wait a minute, why is it okay for this out-of-state corporation to do this? But why is it not okay for Hermie Sadler to do this? Why can't he be a part of this gaming industry? And for me, I may be against casino gambling, but I'm, on, I'm against unfairness worse, uh, especially when the government is the, administer, the administrator of what is injustice. And that's really what it comes down to in my mind was this was an injustice. And so, you know— um, I, I, we did everything we could legislatively, but that at Senate Bill 971 went into effect in July. About June, you and I got together and uh, and we sat down and I think we had a cocktail. We did. All and, three? 
<clears throat> was it three? And, we we uh, do some of our best work when we're we, we do indeed. And uh, coming coming on a podcast session soon, Senator <laughs> Stanley and Hermie try to safely catch a mouse in Bill's condo in Wintergreen with a colander and a pot. Film uh, at eleven. Yeah. <laughs> And we decided, but we decided right then and there, because, you know, I said, look, this is just unfair. <laughs> why don't we just, why don't we sue? Because we thought, one, I thought the, the law itself was consti- unconstitutional because it was picking winners and losers. Two, it was vague. And three, it, it, it impinged your free speech. That is to say, the government was saying, Hermie, as a business person, uh, you can you can advertise, and advertisement is free speech, but only if you conform your speech to what the government finds to be acceptable. And that's a constitutional violation. Whether you're a corporation or an individual, you have a right to speak your mind. Because as the First Amendment, as we know, the First Amendment doesn't protect speech that doesn't bother anybody. The First Amendment protects speech that offends everybody. But when it comes to businesses, that if you're allowed to operate your business, you're also allowed to Market yourself, and that is free speech in and of itself, and the government was telling you how to market yourself. And that was unfair. And so then, in June, we filed that lawsuit on that hot summer day. It was, like it was, hot. A, it was 110 degrees. Uh, and, and we decided for ourselves that we weren't going to go try to get a quick win, an injunction hearing, that we were actually going to build the case. Did we not? We did. That was the strategy from day one. We had heard some other people that were ultimately trying to get to the to – the, to a resolution similar to us, but they had way different thoughts and ideas of how to get there. They just threw their hands up in the air, ran to the courthouse to try to get in front of a judge and say, they're discriminating against us. Turn our games back on. And that was a doomed strategy from the beginning. You were very clear with me and my family on how long and grueling that this process was going to be. And even though we've been successful to this point, we know the fight is far from over. We're entering into the General Assembly session that we know is going to be a fight. Ultimately, we hope to get to a fair and equitable resolution to where we can have our piece of the pie and the casinos and the Rosies and all can have their pieces of the pie. And ultimately, we can get on the same page and combine our resources and get rid of the illegal operators, which is really what is the only enemy of us. And prolific after the Senate Bill right. 971 became right. law. The illegals came in in great, in great droves. But you not? told us from the beginning, we can't just go and scream for an injunction or we have to build a case. And we went after not really what I wanted to go after, which was how can the government ethically take part of my business and give it to somebody else? We had to go after the legal and the constitutional issues with the statute and how it came about and how it's applied and those kind of things. And that's what we've done. When you and I stood outside of the Capitol on that June day, I really and truly felt like we were on an island, just me and you. Even though we had other people kind of on our team, they were kind of dipping their toe with us. They weren't fully on our team because I don't think they really felt like we could win. Well, and I think, you know, when we filed the lawsuit and we took the long view strategy, um, it, it caused the games to be turned off, but we weren't going to be dissuaded of what we knew or thought was going to be a good trial strategy and getting to the truth. And I think, uh, look, we, we sued the Commonwealth of Virginia. We sued Governor Ralph Northam. We sued the Attorney General of Virginia. We, we sued the ABC, the Alcoholic Beverage Control Board. Uh, we then took depositions of the chief of staff of the governor, uh, the head of the Virginia Lottery. We took uh, depositions right of, here in these studios, exactly in right the here, Stanley Law Group studio, high atop the Stanley high Law Group, atop the Stanley Law Group office <laughs> in downtown Richmond, Virginia. Which, by the way, the naming rights 
studio naming rights of this fine facility are up for grabs. Absolutely right. But you remember, we we ruffled some feathers. Sure. And then we put together a trial team of Rodney Smola, a constitutional scholar, uh, Ryan McDougall, who serves with me in the Senate, but a great trial lawyer as well, Jason Hicks. Uh, I wanted to put together the legal dream team that would function as trying this case in that injunction hearing, which we then had just not too long ago in December, where we, but at, even before we got to the injunction hearing, where we granted the injunction, the, what did Virginia do when we filed the lawsuit? They obfuscated. They they delayed. They wanted to do anything but answer it or participate. They tried to move it here to Richmond. That motion was denied. We had filed in Greensville County, which is where Emporia, the city, the beautiful city of Emporia, right. gateway to the south is. That's it. And so, um, and so they tried to move. They tried to demur, which was to say our our pleading was insufficient. That was uh, overruled by the court, and the court made them answer. They tried to not answer our discovery, and they even. Uh, delayed discovery and were hard to get answers from. Uh, that's when I started getting the confidence that th- to, to myself that we're on to something. They don't want to answer or participate because they know, one, they thought we would give up. Two, they maybe didn't think we were going to win. But three, maybe there was a really good chance because of what we were arguing, these constitutional violations. So when we went you know, barreling into court uh, and had that all-day uh, hearing in the Greensville County Circuit Court, we presented those witnesses. We put on 311 exhibits. Uh, the Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia barely put up a fight through the Attorney General's office. We made a heck of a record. And that judge, and I'll never forget, and I've had many victories, and let me tell you, the small ones and the big ones usually are the same, but I don't think I had a better feeling when the judge announced that, yes, your constitutional rights have been violated, the risk was there, the risk of harm was there, and the likelihood that you would succeed on the merits. Because this wasn't the full trial. This is a, a hearing on an injunction, which is four standard tests we don't have to get into. But he basically said that what the Commonwealth of Virginia had done through that statute was impinge on your constitutional rights and all small business owners that had skill games in. And he entered an injunction. And then what did we do, Hermie? We went right to the Saddle Travel Plaza in Emporia <laughs> that night. And plugged our games up. That's exactly right. And, and a lot of small businesses and, did. You know, and that, I, I got to tell you, the the attorney general really tried to make their whole defense about it being just about money. They really felt like the only reason that I was there was because of the lost revenue that we were not getting during the pandemic because our games were not operating. I would never sit here or in a courtroom or anywhere else and say, the revenue doesn't matter because certainly it does. But if revenue was the only thing that mattered, I would have been with those other people flying down the road to get to the courthouse on July 1, screaming that I was being discriminated against. Please turn my games back on. You're very patient. Or I would have done what a lot of other people have done. Find me somebody that would throw me some illegal games in there because there is so much confusion in this industry about this statute and what's legal and what's not, I would have put a bunch of games in there and just waited for my Commonwealth attorney or my sheriff or chief of police or whoever to come try to shut me down yep. and just keep operating. And so now we've got an injunction. The games are back on. We've got almost 5,000 of these machines helping small businesses throughout the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not tax and regulated like they were. So the Commonwealth is is missing out. As you said earlier, we're hoping that there's a solution because yeah. that industry wants to be tax and regulated. What we have to do is is keep fighting the fight. And we've got a trial coming up in May of this year. So the fight's not over, is it? And, and on Tuesday of this week, you introduced myself and my brother, Laval Arrington and Jeff Jarrett, who will be on the next segment of this podcast. Speaking by the of way, Jeff Jarrett. Double J. Um, 
but and I got a chance to speak to some of the senators that have been on the other side of this hey, fight. Hey, hold on, Hermie. I don't know if everybody hears it, but I hear a siren, and as a lawyer, a trial lawyer, that either means two things, a personal injury case or somebody's getting arrested. I need to go outside <laughs> and throw some cards over there. Uh, so we'll be right back. Look, let's let's do this. I think we've explained the lawsuit. Am I missing anything here? No, you, but we got to talk about the Supreme Court because they took they try to take it one okay. more step further. We're going to talk about the Supreme Court when we come back. We'll bring Jeff Jarrett on when we come back. And before we go, I want to remind everybody that this show – Leaning Right and Turning Left is powered by Pesomatic. How involved should government be in small business? Well, stay tuned as we discuss a number of topics affecting small businesses and later we'll have some special news regarding racing also and the Smart Modified Tour. All sponsored by Pesomatic. We'll be right back. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Christmas is finally behind us, but are you dreading those credit card bills headed your way? Well, here's a pro tip. Don't get stuck making minimum payments in the new year. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of your credit card debt just like that. Oh, and we're going to get you the best deal on a mortgage you've ever had. But how's this for starters? No payments until March. You don't need money out of your pocket or perfect credit. So find out how much money you can save for free right now at Savewithconrad.com. I'm leaning right, Senator Bill Stanley. And I'm Hermie Sattler. I'm turning left. And this is a reminder that this podcast is powered by Pesomatic. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Then listen each week as we discuss a wide range of topics about small business, law, and government. Plus our biggest love, auto racing, including the Smart Racing Series sponsored by Pesomatic. A lot of big news we're going to break uh, on this ep- uh, episode, yep. this Stay segment tuned. coming up. Uh, Stay tuned, of, but we uh, got to finish up first uh, where we are. Yeah, yeah. Skip. We were talking about the lawsuit, which really brought us together. You we mentioned- had that great victory. The judge entered the order that night, turning the skill games back on. Yep. We think everything's going to be fine moving forward. We're, we're in a great place. And then what happens, Hermie? Yeah, you call me with one of your uh, very uplifting phone calls <laughs> about two weeks after we get the injunction. You call me and say, well, first of all, about the week after we got the injunction, which would have been about mid-December, your mindset or your feeling at the time was you did not think that the attorney general's office would appeal this decision. To the Virginia Supreme Court. To the Virginia Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. But then you got a phone call, a couple, I'm not sure exactly when the call came or whatever, but you called me and said, you might want to sit down for this one. I said, what's that? You said that the... Attorney General's office had decided to appeal our injunction to the Supreme Court. And then it continuously got bigger because you said not only is the Attorney General appealing this injunction, Rosie's is finally coming out of the closet. Mm-hmm. Pulling back the curtain. Pulling back the curtain. They've been kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes. Behind yeah. the scenes mm-hmm. of how gambling was being handled in the Commonwealth of Virginia, but they came out front out front and said, we're here now. We're uh, we're not hiding anymore. Uh, they were supportive of the Attorney General appealing this injunction, as was charitable gaming interest, as was Senator Janet Howell, as was Senator Tommy Norman. And those were the two authors of Senate Bill 971. So they filed 
so when you file an injunction and appeal, you file the petition. And at the same time, they can file what's called amicus briefs, a friend of the court, that they can offer some kind of insight that will help the court, assist the court in overturning our injunction. And as you said, it came from uh, the Colonial Downs, which was Rosie's. Mm-hmm. It came from Charitable Gaming. They were a week late. They were very tardy. But it came surprisingly from Senator Janet Howell and later uh, Senator Tommy Norman. Senator Tommy Norman is the Republican caucus uh, leader, my leader. I work for him. I'm his whip. Uh, and um, and they appealed. And we, were, we were shocked. I, look, I was heartbroken. But at the same time, I was motivated. Yep. And uh, what did I tell you that you had to do? Well, you kept telling me to trust the system. Yes, sir. But- not being on the inside, the only thing I could keep thinking about was why else would Senator Tommy Norman and Senator Janet Howe put their names publicly in support of overturning our injunction that's going to hurt so many small businesses? The only way that I could think they were would put their name out there publicly was to put their finger a little bit on the scales of justice. But that's not how Tommy. I know it seems that way. And of course we see that on TV a lot. And and there is probably, you know, um, things that do happen in government. I mean, government's not perfect, but I trust in the system of government we have in the Commonwealth of Virginia, especially the Supreme Court of Virginia, and especially the legislature. I mean, you don't win all the time, but you don't lose. But but it's a transparent process, and we're not full-time. Right. We're not career politicians. We have real jobs. We go home to our districts. We know what our lives are. And so I always believe not only in our argument, our argument in the First Amendment, that protection, uh, that this law was unconstitutional against small businesses, but I also believed in the process. And when I said to you all the time, you got to believe in the process. That when they reviewed the voluminous record, the record that we created in the lower court, that they were going to find uh, that we were right and they were wrong. And so what happened? Well, the next phone call I got on that issue was, you know, I was really hoping, to your point, a few, you know, in the last segment, to enjoy my holidays, the Christmas, the New Year, all that. And although I tried my best, when you, I mean, this, I'm, I can't explain to people how stressful. I feel like I've had the burden, I mean, of the whole Commonwealth of Virginia on my shoulders. Small business you have. You've carried it. You've been the standard bearer. I've been carrying it around for six months. Right. Seven months. But you finally called me um, about a week ago, maybe 10 days ago, and said, quite simply, we won. And that was major because the Supreme Court really validated everything that the circuit court judge had ruled on our case from the beginning. And it happened just before the beginning of General Assembly session. Right. And now, as we hurtle into General Assembly session, as you said earlier, we have an opportunity perhaps to to fix it all. Mm -hmm. And that is to allow skill games to be a part of the Commonwealth of Virginia's gaming industry, allow small businesses in the Commonwealth of Virginia to participate in the gaming industry. I want to just make sure that everybody knows ethically, because I've represented you against the Commonwealth of Virginia in these issues, I can't vote. On these issues, I must abstain mm-hmm. for ethics, and and I'm not going to ever violate my ethics. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm going to advocate for you here in the General Assembly and for every small business owner uh, throughout the Commonwealth, even my district, outside my district, uh, that ultimately we need to find a resolution that's going to kick out the illegal gaming, that's going to tax and regulate uh, legal gaming and allow small businesses to participate. It's the only thing that's right and just in the world when it comes to this stuff. And that's ultimately what we want. I've said it a hundred times as I've talked to people 
during this process. I'm not anti-casino. I'm not trying to infringe on other people. I'm anti the government overreaching into small businesses and saying, y'all can't operate anymore in this field because some new dance partners have shown up and they have more power and influence than you. And I don't trust the government either, but I'm a part of the government, so I work within that process. Right. But I believe that the power is first with the people, and government overreach can occur, and it has occurred here, and we're stopping it, and that's why we're fighting. And ultimately, where we want to get to, just so people understand, all we're asking for, all we're looking for, all we're hoping for is that we find some common ground and get a fair and equitable tax and regulation system in place yep. that's fair for skill games. Yep. And the little guy. And the little guy. It's fair for casinos. It's fair for Colonial Downs. Then, hopefully, we can all get on the same page and unite, believe it or not, unite and get rid of the illegal actors and games that are operating right now. Amen, Brother Hermie. In this Commonwealth of Virginia, that's the real enemy of all of us. That's correct. That's so, correct. you know, we've had a lot going on and we've done all that. But ultimately, that's what really brought us together mm -hmm. with this podcast. We're yes. talking about the lawsuit, but we really want to use this lawsuit for many platforms, one of which is law, politics, racing, small businesses in Virginia, which are the backbone, Absolutely. especially for places that I come from yep. and the areas that you represent in Southwest Virginia. Uh, Senator Stanley. So we started talking podcast. Who do we talk to? Your guy. I thought about my longtime friend. I never thought we'd be talking about podcasts together, <laughs> Double J, but one of my best friends that I've had for well over 25 years is professional wrestler, now turned successful podcaster himself, mm -hmm. and we brought him in to help us launch Leaning right and turning left, the one, the only, Double J. There you are. Jeff Jarrett. All right, guys. Now we, uh, now the party gets started. Uh oh, no. <laughs> well, were we a bunch of downers before you no, got No, 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 no. You know what is fascinating? As I was, uh, I, I'll say, as I was sitting in the green room listening, um, you know, I've known Hermie's story, but it's, it's fascinating when you get right down to the granular level and growing up and how his family got into racing and everything um, that, that comes along with that. And then your story, Bill, uh, truly fascinating. At the end of the day, um, I'm, I'm really ex excited to be here at launch. Today was an exciting day, getting getting announced on the that was, floor. And let me tell you something, that was an awesome honor for me no. to be able to read your biography. <laughs> we'll we'll um, get to that. The only <laughs> thing I couldn't say on the Senate floor that, you know, all the great things you did was what your nickname is uh, in the wrestling world. But we'll probably get to that in a bit, right? You yeah. mean slap nuts. Slap nuts. Oh, here we go. No, but <laughs> waited 30 seconds, Jeffrey. <laughs> exactly. All of 30 seconds. But no, I, I really am excited. You know, this time last year, I'd have never even dreamed that I would have had a podcast. It, certainly me being a, a talent, we'll call it a talent on the podcast, but now getting into the podcast business. And um, Conrad Thompson is my partner. Uh, and uh, there's a company with Dave Green and Conrad and myself. We launched podcast to eat. Uh, but as we were branching out of the wrestling space, um, it's just crazy. One of the first guys that I thought of was Hermie and me and Hermie had that conversation, Bill. And, uh, yeah, uh, I've already been talking about that, been thinking about this. Um, and you know, with, as you've already mentioned earlier, Hermie's Rolodex, but then when we got into the, 
hey, I, here, here's who it's going to be. And I knew about his uh, legal situation. And, you know, he's I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Hermes always had that. His father ha- had that. It, you know, that I've, I've loved the Sadler family. Um, Elliot likes to sit on this land and hunt deer. But uh, Hermie likes to the roll up his sleeves. millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hermie likes to roll up his sleeves every day and go to work no right. matter what. Uh, but, you know, l- launching the podcast uh, business and then – when he said, yeah, Bill, and I'm like, wow, a senator and a racing guy getting together and they're going to talk about – because, look, at the very core of this, you two guys were probably race fans before you were anything we've talked about, before the legal situation, before Hermie became a driver, before he became a broadcaster. I think the one common bond that brought you all together was you grew up on racing. And so at the core of that, that's that's a lot of what this podcast is going to be. Um, but man, when when you really branch into it and, and talk about small businesses, because, you know, I, I grew up in the wrestling business and uh, I'll say this diplomatically, Republicans and Democrats and independents, they all buy wrestling tickets. So uh, <laughs> b- 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 <laughs> politics is not, not something that I've, I've – Well, ever- most race car fans are uh, voting Republican. <laughs> Let's go, we're, Brandon. We're, <laughs> we're not going to get into that. But, no, uh, it, it's fascinating to me how you guys have come together and then, the, like I said, the legal situation. But you got a lot of cool things coming up in the racing world and, and just – how it's come together as a team is is really, really cool. I think uh, in the uh, episodes to come, diving deep into the racing world, like country, uh, Hermie said, uh, you know, his uh, his country music uh, fans and relationships. Uh, but if they ever, you know, I, I think on my podcast, me and Conrad, it, yes, it's wrestling, but we throw in some business tips and business stories. And, and, and really, it's, it's two guys sitting down. Uh, he's from Alabama. I'm from Tennessee. We're just trading stories, and I I, I really got a sense of that I coming in. It. Oh, I appreciate it. But you know, you guys uh, you, at the end of the day, you're buddies, and you have these same type conversations, like you said, over maybe a few cocktails or not. But uh, I'm so, excited. I'm, I'm ex- could not be more excited. And the way we kicked it off today, not very often you get to kick a podcast on on the floor of the Senate. So, so what will podcast heat? do for this podcast so podcast heat is um you know and, and look i was very uneducated in and and what is a podcast i thought it was really an extension of radio but what it is is it you know the, these stories can live uh on the radio um you know you hear a song and then more than that a commercial uh, you know it's it's over and done with the the, the podcast uh episodes that you guys put together they're going to be around this time next year and so like next week when you have elliot on uh, telling his story people could go back two months three months at a time and let's do it but podcast heat is a uh, uh i'll call it a 360 uh podcast agency uh from the social media component to um uh, the distribution of it, um, you know, the PR side of it, spreading the word of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you guys are going to be a part of news. You're, you know, a lot of times you're going to be creating news. Uh, but also, you know, to the race fans, we're going to go uh, be able to let the race fans, hey, you want to hear a story about the Wood Brothers or Ray Evanham or, you know, whatever it may be. You may get Phil Vassar on here. It, it, but Podcast Heat is a full-service podcast uh, uh, agency uh, that takes care. What we really are going to try to do is, and this is what I like, uh, you know, in my wrestling line of work is you guys sit down and turn on the mics, hit record, and that's it. We do all the rest. And that, that, and in the podcast world, it, like I said, it, 
it, it um, you know, the, the platforms, whether it's Apple or Spotify or anywhere else, there's going to be a YouTube channel that's really going to be cool. I think that'll be able to be serviced to news and all kinds of stuff, the social media. Hermie, when you announce that you're going to run for senator, we'll probably do it. Oh, excuse me. My bad. I, I told you. Five. I six. was promoting the podcast. <laughs> Those that follow my social media Last week, I posted on my Twitter. We're going to talk about Sadler, that next week. We're going to hold senator, up on this. Not Senator <laughs> Sadler. I was promoting the podcast, Jeffrey. Paid for and authorized by Hermie Sadler for Senator. I appreciate it. Senator. I mean, Sadler. Right. <laughs> senator Sadler. No, Sadler. Oh, see, so you've got me confused, Hermie. I'm kidding. No. Um, I hope I answered your question. Podcast East is a full service podcast agency. And it's just so we know, this is. The maiden voyage for this podcast, as we've announced, powered by Pacematic, by the way. What makes a good podcast in Europe? What do Senator Stanley and I have to do to make a good podcast? You know, that is a real good question because I think at the end of the day, uh, like sometimes my podcast and in, in the different spaces, sometimes they're newsworthy that you're going to tune in to get, you know, uh, the, the latest political or legal or, or, or something along that fact. Uh, other times you're going to tune in to hear NASCAR legend Elliot Sadler or Dale Jr. or Dale Jarrett or whatever it may be. But no matter what, you've got to be entertaining. And that is, uh, as the term is, it's infotainment. Uh, so you're going to have to have some uh, information, but, you know, it's going to be entertaining. And, you know, just hurt me, I don't have to tell you, when we got on those first uh, couple of uh, FaceTime calls and group texts and all the laughing and cutting up and all that, but also business, um, I kind of knew right then uh, as a producer mindset is you guys got a, 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 a great relationship. Uh, but you have had a lot of life experiences that I really think people are, um, they're going to be so engaged because you guys have lived lives and continue to live lives that are interesting. At the very end of it, you two are interesting guys. That's and one word for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had another, have, but I'm not saying that, that. That have interesting stories. I mean, when you put together, uh, you know, and we'll get it, I'm sure, next week when we get into t talking to Elliot. But, you know, in the golden age of NASCAR, Hermie, you were Rookie of the Year in 93. Uh, <laughs> brother brother Bill over here, his first case, uh, <laughs> high-profile case, is with the President of the United States. When you sort of just take that in, that was y'all's uh, early days. There is uh, in the in the political world, in, in the NASCAR world, you guys have connections, have stories, have discussions, and um, in a lot of ways, you're like the common man that can tell it from a, a point of view that is real and authentic, and that's something that that really resonates uh, with with folks out there. We're never gonna lie. And I'm never going to hold back. And I've, I've had people tell me that, well, you know, got to be careful doing a podcast. You know, you're a politician. You know, the only way that I've ever conducted myself as a politician, even as a lawyer, is with the truth. And also, I want to have a good time and laugh. And so I think we can accomplish both those. Look, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Jeff, we're going to keep you on. Uh, a little bit uh, for the rest of the well, episode. Does, have we have we adequately dis described to the audience who Double J is? I oh, mean, Lord. how don't, many don't championships he's won? <laughs> you know how he laid down in that controversial beach bash in the Hulkamania. That'll be a teaser for I mean, the next segment coming up. Right now, we're going to take a break, and I will remind everybody this podcast is powered by Pacematic. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast, and give us a five star rating 
on iTunes. Then listen each week as we discuss a wide range of topics about small business, law, and government, plus our biggest love, auto racing. we got a big announcement coming up next segment about some racing, and we'll also dive a little bit deeper into the career of Double J. Let's take a time out here. And while we normally have a lot of fun on this show, this is a pretty serious topic, life insurance, specifically Goliath life insurance. Let me give you a pro tip. We're all going to die. So before you get a visit from the undertaker, think just for a second about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow with life insurance from GoliathLife.com, What we're really talking about is protecting what you've worked so hard to provide for both you and more importantly, your family. You see, life insurance isn't about you. It's about those who matter the most to you. Sure. You do a great job taking care of them now, but who would do that if something awful happened to you? I just lost two friends in the last year and a half, one 42 with two kids, the other 46 who left behind a wife and three kids. Thank God they had insurance. And Hey, I hear you. Nobody wants to think or talk about life insurance. Think about this. You might not get in a car accident but you have auto insurance. You might not get sick, but you have health insurance. So we'll protect our car and we'll even protect ourselves from like crazy medical bills. But will we protect our family? That's what life insurance means to me. Peace of mind. Goliathlife.com streamlines the life insurance purchase process by allowing you to get quotes from more than 20 carriers all at the same time. And at the same place, Goliathlife.com. You'll do a fast and easy application and have multiple quotes within minutes. And oh, by the way, goliathlife.com has solutions for every budget. And maybe best of all, you pick your terms and payments at goliathlife.com. Once you pick your price, you can start the online application immediately and check this out. You can even schedule the medical exam to happen in your home. You don't even have to leave the house to do this. And yes, I have done this. They sent someone to my office. It was fast. It was easy. And it was unlike anything I expected. I got to skip the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations, and even the multiple visits to the doctor's office that we all hate so much. Goliathlife.com makes buying life insurance simple. Goliathlife.com promises no hidden fees, no upsell, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliathlife.com is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. I'm leaning right. I'm State Senator Bill Stanley. I'm Hermie Sadler, and I'm turning left, and this podcast is powered by Pesomatic. How involved should government be in small businesses? Well, stay tuned as we discuss a number of topics affecting small business and coming up later on this episode, the Smart Modified series. That we've got some big news. We do indeed. This is the final segment. This is the final. And this segment. is uh, this has been very exciting, and already I think we're uh, we're doing all right, don't you think? Before we get to our big news, did you have any other questions about the life, the history? Oh, don't don't get him started. Of Jeff Jarrett's L- wrestling career, we got, we got to put AKA that in. 
Slap nuts. Slap nuts. Now, can I ask you a question? Just flip the turn. Can, sure, yeah. sure. Usually in a, in a court of law, when they do that, the witness does that. I said, no, I get to ask the questions. You have to answer them. But go ahead. I had to do litigation last year. And I, anyway, who was your lawyer? Uh, let's not get into that right Well, now. you know who your lawyer is now? The you, Stanley Law Group. <laughs> there you go. Hi, I taught the Stanley Law Group building here in beautiful downtown Richmond, Virginia. By the Virginia. way, we are looking for a sponsor on the naming rights to this fine facility. But if we don't, I'm going to keep staying in the Stanley Law Group. <laughs> you know what? Let's let the listeners know because they, you know, they, they may or may not have seen it on social media a little bit. But um, can you give the give give the listeners kind of the setup that we're on the Senate for today? It's not the opening session, but number two. Uh, this is actually one, two, three. Four, this is our fifth day of a sixty day session. We come in part time sixty days every year, sometimes forty five. Uh, we do all of our legislation very quickly. We, we we have great debates. We go long into the night. But every every time at noon, we go into the Senate floor, the historic chamber. And as we get our day stored, we have what's called the morning hour, where the you know, president of the Senate, who is our lieutenant governor, who is Winsome Earl Sears, historic election. Got a picture first with Af- it today, man. It's awesome. First African-American woman ever uh, elected uh, into such a statewide office, and she's leading us. She's a Republican. She's an amazing, amazing person, has an she's amazing awesome. history, and it's going to be so much fun for the next four years having her lead us. And so every morning, uh, the the president then in the morning hour allows all of us to stand uh, to recognize those that may be in the gallery. We, we stand and we ask, we rise for the purposes of an introduction. And uh, and I told her right before we went on, I said I've got four very important introductions. Four, four folks. If you're it's listening. a record for me. And oh, it was wow. a record for me. And and uh, and let me tell you, I've worked on a lot of speeches. I've worked on a lot of legislation. I've never sweated as much as I sweated <laughs> writing the intros for you, Hermie Sadler, Elliot Sadler, and Lavar Arrington. That was cool. For I mean, me. I got to sit next to all pro linebacker, yeah. newest member of the College Hall of Fame, Lavar Arrington, and hopefully we're going to get him on this podcast. Yep. But one of the great things is because look, I read the announcement of Hermie Sadler's uh, bio exactly as he wrote it. Um, <laughs> which is a lie. You said you would never lie on this podcast. Okay. Oh, there you go. Uh, okay. And then, of course, Elliot. No. But one of, one of the biggest thrills I had was introducing you on the floor oh, today of the Senate. And we've got video of that, and we're going to make sure that you get a copy of that. But here I was on the Senate floor introducing And you didn't even say J. slap nuts. I couldn't. I just couldn't work <laughs> it in. I just did, I didn't want it to go south because it was such a well-written. I mean, I, I toiled over that introduction for quite some time, and I had Chad Monday, who's my legislative aide. We were going through your whole history, and we, I was watching what the stroke, you know, your signature move. I said, yeah, did yeah. you have a signature move? And, and he goes, yeah, you did. It's called the stroke. And I said, well, what would the stroke look like? And it was quite an impressive little thing you did there. <laughs> and uh, and I uh, loved the, the gold underwear you were wearing and, and all there the great stuff. And, the, and, and we watched a lot of videos you with a guitar and busting guitars over people's head or getting it busted over your head. And uh, so it was a real thrill today to have you up there in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, we we recognized you for fighting for small businesses just like we are. And, and just uh, what an honor to do so today. And uh, that's one of the great things we do. And what we do is we extend to you the warm welcome of the Senate and all the senators after they hear who you are and what you've done in your life, they all clap and say hello. Both sides of the aisle clap, and Winsome led the, led, led the. That was to me is a cool moment. I was I'm halfway joking. Both about sides this, of the aisle clap for you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not. Get, yeah, yeah, Hermie had some unnamed people that may not I had have some clapped. Unnamed people they that may or may not have clapped. Number one, me. they were saying you were number one. I yeah, saw that wasn't the finger. They All right, so easy. listen, uh, Jeff. Thank you for being here. Thanks for the partnership with Podcast Heat, and all that. But before we sign off on this 
episode, we first of all we want to remind everybody we want to who is Jeff Jarrett. I mean, in a nutshell, I read uh, what it was fourteen pages long. I think I read uh, it was but, impressive. How you I mean, did that. multi intercontinental belt champion. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and all the different wrestling organizations, including the WWE. But what was so impressive to me, not was just that some of the people that you wrestled and won against. Uh, and the controversial, which we've got to have you back and talk about that controversial match between you and Hulk Hogan. It's a heck of a story that I think we're going to need to dive into a little deeper. I'm sure it's on your podcast, oh, but yeah. we want to yeah. tell our people that same thing. But most impressive to me was that you've been inducted into the what, NWA Hall of Fame. Uh, T- uh, the M- TNA Impact slash uh, Hall of Fame 2015. Okay. And then WWE, formerly WWF Hall of Fame. Is that right? 2018. Yeah. I mean, wow. And then, quite and frankly, get, I've been and, looking at his, his jewelry who here. Were, who were your special guests to New Orleans for that ceremony? Oh, none other. Are you, did you know that, Bill? No. Hermie came down. He I was didn't really, get a call. Me, could, yes. me and Angie and Haley yes. never went to New call. Orleans for yes. the WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Did you see that ring he's wearing? I saw it. Is that the Hall of Fame well, ring? Well, if I'm going to be hanging around on the Senate, I've got to wear, I got to look cool somehow. You brought it today. I did. You did. You no, that it. was really, it was an honor. And I appreciate that. And what a way to kick off uh, the whole podcast relationship. I, I'm, I'm totally serious. I never dreamed I'd be. You just think about that. The old wrestler from Tennessee is in Virginia in the beautiful. Is that called the Rotunda? What, what was the Rotunda the, in the I, middle? Yeah. That was really now. Cool. Look, that that capital was designed by Thomas Jefferson when he was the ambassador to France during the, the Revolutionary War. He sent back a model which is sitting in the in that capital, and that was built. That is the oldest building still in existence, still in use in the Western Hemisphere that conducts uh, a democracy. So that's a really it's, a it's piece me, of it's history. Fascinating. And yes. if you get the chance, or anybody else is listening, come out here. We'll give you a tour of the the history behind it. is is just totally fascinating. It was also the capital of the Confederacy, uh, so it has that history there as well. Uh, it's great to work in a place of history like that. It is awe inspiring, and it reminds you what you owe to the people of the Commonwealth of Virginia every time you step in there. And that, to me, was sort of like the the launching point because look, I've been to Martinsville, Bristol. Virginia is a racing state, but the racing and the politics and you two guys it was a really way uh, really very cool way to kick off this podcast relationship so i appreciate both you guys and i'm looking forward to being a weekly listener every thursday new episodes are going to drop can't wait for my buddy elliot next week and let me tell you something i got hermie sadler elliot sadler lavar errington I had four or five centers goes, is that really Jeff Jarrett, Double J? <laughs> and they went up there and they're like, hey, man, fist bump, can I get a picture? I mean, and these are, you know, these are the elected officials I, acting like kids the only thing I around didn't, you. The only thing I didn't prep Jeff on when they were coming up for the autographs, I was like, I should have got Jeff to say, uh, what's your position on skill game? <laughs> we'll get him next time. time. I'll be back. Because we'll get him him we time. could throw you over this balcony. Uh, yeah. High atop. Hey, let's get to the news. <laughs> I'm more excited about this than you guys. Well, are you know, we, Bill and I, uh, we've, we've mentioned the lawsuit and kind of how far we've come. And uh, Pacematic, we, we decided back in October when we were launching, kind of getting things off the ground, we wanted to have a vehicle literally a vehicle that we could use to promote our crusade for small business. And we started that really back at Motor Mile back in October when Bill talked me into trying my best to climb back into a race car. Got him back um, in the race car first yeah. time. Um, and and Pacematic helped us with that. And we used that car and that weekend to really bring in a bunch of small business owners and operators all across really Southwest Virginia uh, this part of, I mean, all over the state, really, they came to Motor Mile Speedway 
uh, to watch the Smart Modified Tour compete uh, at Motor Mile Speedway. And since that time, we've been have a lot of conversations, a lot of work been going on behind the scenes. Really, the end result is today we're able to announce the formation of Sadler Stanley Racing, SS Racing Incorporated. We're going to field two open-wheel modified cars. They're going to compete on the Smart Modified Racing Tour. We're going to have one full-time car driven by a multi-time winner last year on the tour, Jonathan Brown. He'll pilot the number 22 Pacematic car owned by Sadler Stanley Racing. Then we're going to have a second car, number 16, which was mine and Elliot's number back in our late model stock car days at South Boston Speedway and other tracks across Virginia. We'll have a second car that will compete in a handful or so of races. I may or may not, well, you have to listen to the podcast to hear more. I may or may not drive a race. Kenny Wallace may or may not compete in a race or two. Kenny Schrader. I may or may not have talked to him about jumping into one, maybe Ryan Newman, uh, a bunch of other of my buddies. Uh, and we're going to have this conversation also with Elliot Sadler on next week's episode <laughs> of Leaning Right and Turning Left about maybe, you know, will he be interested potentially in getting back into the seat? But we're proud to be a part of the Smart Modified Tour. Chris Williams, a great friend of ours who we'll have on the podcast um, in the future. Work for is, Dale Earnhardt. Yeah, work for Dale Earnhardt. Kind of the really revolutionized the merchandise business of NASCAR with Dale Earnhardt. He now manages the Smart Modified Tour. So we're thankful to Pacematic. We're thankful to PSR Products and Phil Stefanelli for putting the team together. Jonathan Brown for taking a leap of faith to come drive full time for Sadler Stanley Racing as we try to go for a championship in that series. But we will continue to use that team as a platform to what we're trying to do to represent small businesses all across the Commonwealth of Virginia. Um, and our lawsuit continues. And so it's all these tools that we're pulling together, including this podcast. So we're excited. Sadler Stanley Racing Bill will hit the track in March in yep. Florence, South Carolina for the first race. And, and and Smart Modified goes through South Carolina, North Carolina, and the historic short tracks of North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia uh, as a state senator. I authored a bill that created the NASCAR Stock Car Heritage Trail, which NASCAR got its start here in Virginia with moonshine runners out of Franklin County uh, and other areas that would carry moonshine from North Carolina to here and here to North Carolina. Franklin County itself is the uh, the moonshine capital of the world, so that's where NASCAR got its start was these moonshiners. Yeah. The, I knew moonshiners. I yeah. thought it was North Carolina. No, no, no. It's uh, Franklin County. is the wettest county in the world. And actually, that's these guys that we would run uh, rum and up and down the highways uh, would then came together. And that's how NASCAR got started, because they wanted to race each other and see who had the faster car that could outrun the state troopers. So um, we started a NASCAR Heritage Trail through the Virginia Bureau of Tourism. Of course, Hermes been a great sponsor and, and supporter of tourism here in Virginia. But what we really want to do is highlight these short tracks. These short tracks are in small communities that depend on that kind of revenue and income, those small businesses around them. Plus, we want to save and restore and keep those short tracks being a part of this because that is the grassroots racing. That's where racing started. And, you know, as we'll talk about how, how NASCAR has progressed, uh, we really need to reinvigorate uh, love of that sport with the fans. And the best way to do it is to go to your local track and see um, Jonathan Brown run and our the team grassroots level and legends like yeah. uh, like Hermie and maybe Elliot and and somebody else running. Let's put butts in the seat. Bobby Labonte's in that series. I've Bobby's in. I've yeah. got an idea, Hermie. Let's hear it. You're talking about the grassroots. 
let's and and you know let's get communities involved. Why can't we have a grassroots wrestling tour uh, alongside of <laughs> Zoinks? <laughs> I like it. That'd be great. Hey, sure. that's, guys get their starts in wrestling in independent. Uh, JB Cole, who is the flag man and one of the one of the you know helps the director Chris Williams, is a wrestler. He wrestled on AEW last week as an attack team match. Well, here we go, Cole, folks. Yeah. Mm, I smell collaboration once again. See, yeah. every time we get together, we have some idea there that turns. Turns to gold, and we, and we actually act if on you it. Sm- oh, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's exciting, and and look, we want to really revitalize these communities. Say thank you to these communities. Keep these tracks. You know, you see uh, one of my favorite TV shows on Peacock is uh, Dale Junior's Lost Speedways, and uh, this is a great way to make sure that we don't lose any more of these speedways because they they are so rich and full of history. That uh, and they're so important to these small communities, whether it be South Boston or Franklin County or or over there in Radford where the Motor Mile is. Or on uh, my side of the state. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, Dominion up there in Fredericksburg. Mm-hmm. Those are the tracks that is where real racing begins and starts because every racer that goes in there isn't going in there to make a living. It's because they love the sport. They love, love the it. sport so I, much. I love it. That they'll spend their whole week getting ready for it and their whole weekend racing it. So you can watch out for more information on Sadler Stanley Racing. We'll get information out. As we go, Jeff, thank you so much. This has been fun. It's going to be fun. Yes, sir. Look forward to working with you and Dave and everybody at Podcast Heat. And I'm sorry, Hermie. He's my new best friend. There you go. Yeah. So, Jeff Jarrett, my new bestie. Let's get out of here. Let's go eat a steak. Yeah, let's get out (laughs) of here and eat. Uh, Next week on Episode 2, Elliot Sadler, uh, my younger and more famous brother, will be joining us. (laughs) And better looking. And better looking and richer. Uh, All those things. He'll be with us next week. I want to take one more opportunity to thank Pacematic. Leaning right and turning left with Sadler and the Senator is powered by Pacematic, who reminds you to follow the show on social media at Sadler Senator, not Senator Sadler. Or Sadler, Sadler for Senator. Senator. Oh, boy. And to make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode as we discuss hot topics in the Virginia General Assembly and, of course, racing. And today, probably so, a little bit of wrestling as well. And thank you guys for listening. I hope you listen to episode two. I'm sure it's going to be wild. And we've got so many ideas and so many great guests coming on. So many things to talk about. We can just do this almost every day and never run out of information to give to you. I'm leaning right, Senator Bill Stanley. And I'm Hermie Sadler. I'm turning left, and we'll see you next week.